The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And we're doing the editor show on John's 49th birthday. John, (laughs) in 49 years around the sun, what have you learned so far? Well, the the, uh, the highlight birthday of my life might have been uh, Joe Montana beating the Broncos at Mile High in whatever year that was back in '92 or '93. That was on my birthday, and okay. I, as I as I told someone this morning on the staff, um, that high has lasted a long time, <laughs> and it, it was it was a great high. I mean, it was it was one of the the finest moments as a Chiefs fan I've ever had. Certainly. A better way to celebrate your birthday from a Chiefs standpoint than having to talk to me about this Chiefs game that you <laughs> suffered through last night. Of course, the 24-20 to 20 win over the Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills, I guess in a way, maybe not fully, get some revenge. I, I think they would even tell you from listening to some of those press conferences after the game that they want to win in the playoffs. But the Chiefs dropped to 4-2, and two, and they have now very early here, lost control of their own AFC destiny. There, of course, are 10-plus weeks left, so things can happen. We're going to talk about that game and more as we go on. As you guys know, Andy Reid usually speaks to the media, so the first thing we'll do after we read some reviews is is go through the main things from Andy Reid. We, of course, in segment two, have our world-famous marinated takeaways from this Chiefs-Bills disaster. And then we'll wrap up with the news that we had going into the game and news roundup, make some comments on some of the things that happened since we last spoke to you, which was a, a preview show because it was Monday Night Football. So we didn't even get any marinated takeaways for Chiefs Raiders. We'll never know. We'll never know what the marination would have been like. <laughs> but the good thing is we'll get another Chiefs Raiders game down the line to talk about those two teams in particular. But John. Here on your birthday, happy birthday, by the way, we're going to read, we have four reviews, so let's go through them quickly, and then we'll start addressing the bad news at hand. This from Judd, I listen to all the shows, but I especially look forward to the editor's show, great new format, which with Coach Reed's quotes up first, and the marinated takeaways, keep up the good work. In a bowling alone world where it is so difficult to connect with people, AP has created a wonderful community that have come to appreciate in ways that down seem downright corny. Thank you to Pete, John, and everyone else. I appreciate you. Thank you, Judd. And and as to your question, right. you can probably email Arrow Headphones uh, over there about it. John, what's your what's the best way to, to reach out to you via email? Uh, well, my email's on the website. It's rdoguy at aol.com. You can get me there. That's well. There that's you go. Cool. Good way. Good way to chat. Okay, next up, this is from Geistert. He says, love the editor show. Keep up the great work. You two are a dynamic duo. Oh, by the way, did you already do round two of the AFC West mixtape? I can't find it. Thanks. Yeah, you're going to have to scroll down on the AP Podcast Network. You can also get it on, I believe, all the other ones. But we have a new one that will be coming to you after the 49ers game on that Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. So there's a, a third one coming as well. So. Go back, listen to the AFC West mixtape uh, with myself and the representatives around the AFC West right here on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Next review from BB. 
The great British guys are amazing, and my only must-listen and Chiefs podcast throughout the week. Well, come on, baby. I love the lighthearted banter, <laughs> and their fancy accents make losses bearable, along with still knowing we have Mahomes. If I could, I would make them honorary Kansas Cityans. Next time they make it to KC, beers are on me at Boulevard Brewery. Oh, so wow. Maybe contact uh, Mayor Q. I mean, you can do that. The great British Chief show is terrific. This is from someone else. I love Brad and Tom and their take on the Chiefs. I listen to just about every Chiefs podcast that's out there, and this one is one of the best. I don't know if their accents are are the fact that they make me laugh at least once in every podcast, but kudos to them. So I'm sorry you got to deal with us today, but my goodness, the the great Brits are are pulling in uh, some of the the better reviews, John. Well, we're still getting our share of good ones. I'm I'm happy. I'm jealous. I mean, I know you're happy. I always look at the negative, and of course, of course the <laughs> glass the glass is always half empty when I when I'm when I'm dealing with those reviews. No, thank you. In in all seriousness, we we appreciate them. We appreciate all the shows on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, and of course, as always, kudos to Steve Serta who mans this thing behind the scenes and and gets to chat a little bit more when we do show NBK on Fridays. All right, let's get into Andy Reid from. Monday morning following this 24 to 20 loss. And we're, we're going to lean into some bright sides during this episode. And one of the major bright sides is that Willie Gay Jr. will be activated this week from suspension after four games. Chiefs have gone two and two. Here's what Andy Reid said. He learned about the rest of his team while Willie Gay was out. Bill's got such a good feel for, for the game that I think you saw even more maybe of his leadership when, when Harris came in, although Harris is very smart too. So, and and Chanel is, that's a, that's a pretty good group there. So, but you got to see him perform with other guys and he's very close with Willie. I mean, they, they've known each other a long time, so they're very close. And uh, it it was just a little different flavor. still very productive. I think he just adding Willie back in there is another uh, another good athlete into that mix and that, that never hurts. So we'll look forward to getting them back in there. After the chiefs played poorly, I set that sound up poorly. That was Andy talking about Nick Bolton and what he meant to the roster with Willie Gay out of the mix. And Bolton really, I thought John did a good job working with some players. Maybe he wasn't exactly sure he was going to be working with toward the beginning of the season. Certainly Darius Harris and Leo Chanel was able to, I think, benefit playing time wise but bolton guiding these guys and two and two i think you'd rather be three and one or four and oh but you were able to get it done to an extent without willie yeah uh i think darius harris has been a terrific surprise um during this time and uh bolton of course has been as expected i think i think a lot of people expected him to be very good this season and and so far i think he's largely lived up to that not everyone feels that way but um, but a lot of people do, and I'll I'll go with that for the time being. I think Harris, look, he had his issues sometimes in, in coverage, <clears throat> and and that is where Willie, you know, everyone's belief is he excels there, and we we've sort of been waiting for this athletic linebacker to be on the Chiefs since Derek Johnson ended up you know retiring, and and I think you missed that. I do wonder out loud how the game goes last night if you do have Willie Gay in the mix. There is is Josh Allen more uh, or i should say as effective i don't i don't know i mean we'll never know mm-hmm. that unless these two yeah. teams meet again with willie gay on the field but you didn't have him and i think the chiefs defense did good enough they gave the offense a chance to win every game right uh, you know the chiefs were in that Colts game they should have won it had it not been for that penalty to chris jones and then last night they had the ball in the final drive and I, I think that's all you can ask when you're missing such a key player for such a stretch all right we'll continue with the Comments from Andy Reid on the offensive line. This was my question because I, I think we all are on somewhat of an agreement that the, the tackles especially could be playing a little bit better. The Chiefs have faced some talented fronts, and, and we understand that. But Patrick Mahomes, it, it seems, needs more time, and, and certainly the run game could use a little bit extra push. Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, so we, we've been fortunate to play some good defensive lines, and that helps you get better. And so um, and the guys are competing, and you're going to – you're going to lose every once in a while. That that happens all throughout the league, and uh, you're striving to win every battle at the same time that we're playing really good, talented defensive lines. I mean, that's the, the bottom line. We have another one coming up this week. So, you know, but we look forward to those challenges because it, it helps you It helps you down the road become better. And we're Andy 
is always looking for things to do up front to, uh, to work the protections and that. I mean, that's not going to change. He's going to keep doing those kind of things uh, to try to uh, work according to what they, they present. Andy Reid talking about Andy Heck there. And and I don't think this is, is deniable. I think the offensive line needs to play a little better. And I think by extension, when you're talking about the run blocking, in recent years, and, and this is, I think, as the offense has come into its own and grown over the years, it seems like, I think, especially in the last two to three-ish years, the the passing game feels a lot more in rhythm when the Chiefs are able to establish the run. When there are games like last night where, you have Clyde with nine carries for 33 yards. It does seem like the offense as a whole falters to an extent. I, I think had we known ahead of this game that the Chiefs defense would hold the Bills to 24, you would have felt pretty good about winning the game. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would have, would have maybe taken that and just not not able to get it done. And, and I think the offensive line is one of many reasons why last night went the way it did, John. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with you there. I, I've I saw somebody um, somewhere yesterday uh, pointing out the stat of how many times the Chiefs have won when they have more than a hundred rushing yards, and when how many times yeah. they've lost when they've had fewer than a hundred. Um, and you know, the problem with that it's a it's a, a chicken and the egg kind of thing. You know, did they win the game because they rushed a lot, or did they uh, rush a lot because they won the game? You know that's the always the the difficult part of that kind of a, a of a, a stat because causation does not necessarily e- equal uh, excuse me correlation does not equal causation as the saying goes um, and yeah it does it does feel like uh, the passing game works better when the running game is more effective but we just really haven't seen that very much here the last couple of years where we can really count on the running game to do well. We've seen flashes of it, certainly. Um, and, you know, a couple of games ago, the Chiefs actually kind of committed to it for a game. Uh, but they rarely do that, and we don't really see it. And I don't know. It's uh, it's it's frustrating to a lot of fans, I think. And and I think I would count myself among them. I, I But I, I can't – I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's the fault of the running backs either. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. these running backs have success in some games where the offensive mm-hmm. line is getting pushed. Clyde Odomzilaris had big games. We saw Jarek McKinnon have his moments leading into this game. Even Isaiah Pacheco here and there so far has had his moments. And when the line is not getting pushed, I don't know how you can expect these guys to have success. And I mean, it's that's football 101. If, if you can get the run game moment going, and establish the run, the whole offense ticks a little bit better, and the Chiefs have certainly struggled with that, and we'll see if they can improve as we go here. Next up from Andy Reid, um, this was a question about, well, okay, if the, the offensive line isn't working as well as you wanted to, is there a greater emphasis on making sure Patrick Mahomes gets rid of the ball quickly? Here's Reid once again. We try to mix that up um, the best the best you can. You can't do one uh, all the time and and not take shots and you can't take shots all the time and then not throw a quick game. So I, I think he's got a pretty good feel on it. And then obviously when he does break the pocket, his numbers are phenomenal. So uh, I don't want to curb that and that's not part of it. So he's got a pretty good feel on every on the, all that stuff. There are a lot of things you can, you can criticize uh, uh, when you get down to a game like this um, because it's two good teams playing each other. So there are going to be some things that don't look quite as good. And I mean, they're doing the same thing. They, they just happen to win the game, but they're, they're doing the same thing. Oh man, we could have done this better and that better. Uh, but they have the W. So we're, we're there trying to make sure that we clean up our part and uh, get the things done that we need to, to, to be better here. And, and, um, um, and so that's what, what we're heading with, but uh, he has a pretty good feel on it. You don't want to take away all that good stuff that he does and, and his instincts there and how he handles it. He's, he's pretty good with all that. This has been a theme about Patrick Mahomes really over the course of his career where he plays a lot out of structure, and that's where he thrives. They do want to work him and get him more comfortable in the pocket and have him step up and, and so on and so forth, but they also don't want him to feel like he can't scramble around or change a play on the fly or you know, make something up with Travis Kelsey so that 
there's 13 seconds left and they go down the seam and somehow send the game into overtime and end up going to the fourth straight AFC title game like that, that type of thing. And so it's, it's a catch 22 when you are maybe going through some offensive line problems and you might be tempted to be like, well, Pat, we got it. We got to design this. So you get the ball out of your hands as fast as possible. But that would be taking away some of the best parts of Patrick Mahomes. So it's it's really an ultimate conundrum, John. Yeah, I, you, I wonder if this is going to be something that will be very gradual over the course of his career as he gets older and isn't quite as athletic as he was when he first became a Kansas City Chief. And it won't be as easy for him to run around and, and make those plays in those kinds of situations. I mean, I think eventually... Patrick Mahomes is going to be a fantastic pocket passer, you know, when he gets up to, you know, his late thirties in age or early forties, or maybe even the late forties in uh, Mahomes case, I'm being pretty optimistic there, but, uh, uh, but I think eventually he will be that passer, but I think it, it, you know, if they're not willing to force him into being a pocket passer, he's not going to be one. I mean, that's just the bottom line, because you're talking about something that's been very consistent uh, since Mahomes arrived in Kansas City. And so they don't want to they don't want to fix him. They don't want him to be different because he can do so much just off of his own instincts. And I can't say I disagree with that approach, but sometimes it can be frustrating um, because, you know, I, I think it's hard for the offensive line to know what to do in that kind of a situation, just like it's hard for them to know which way to go on an RPO, uh, because right. they don't know what's going to happen behind them. So it, it can be a problem. I, I think anytime you can generally speaking, get the ball out of the QB's hands fast, I, I think it, you're more apt to success. Some of the better sure. quarterbacks than lately, like Tom Brady made, made that famous, like, you're not going to even have time to sack me. He, he's not yeah. having time to even think right now in Tampa with all the <laughs> offensive line injuries they're going on, which is why he was yelling at the line yesterday. But um, again, it, it it's an interesting idea. And I think when you lose and lose a game against a team, you really wanted to beat like the Chiefs wanted to really beat the Bills. Sure. You start thinking about all these things, but I don't know. You go and beat the San Francisco 49ers and you beat them convincingly because you're a better team, especially with some of the injuries that they're going through. And then sometimes these things tend to go away because winning, as we've said a lot of times on the show, cures everything. Want to switch gears to the pass rush here. And as I look at some of these PFF numbers, the Chiefs actually did a, a decent job pressuring Josh Allen. They got 23 pressures, but Reid was asked uh, as to how the Chiefs can better get to the quarterback. Only one sack in the game. Here's Andy Reid. I thought we did a good job. When we didn't get there, we we at least blocked a few throws. And you're not talking about a shorter quarterback there. He's a big kid. <clears throat> we were able to uh, block a, a few, a couple of them there. But we're always, you know, we'll always be growing there with it. But we seem to get decent pressure at times on them. And, and um, you know, that that's that's an important thing that we keep getting better at uh, down the road. Allen is super athletic. And I think, you know, sometimes we watch these games and, and you, you think he's, he's not that impacted, but he was a lot had to do with, with the blitzes and how often the chiefs were blitzing, especially early mm-hmm. in this game. But, you know, that was part of the, the, the game plan. And I, I think the question that people are left asking right now is can this defensive line get there with four, which Against the Chiefs, we we have seen how effective that can you know possibly be, and I, I think it's still a question that, in a way, the jury's jury's out. We know the Chiefs can get pressure when they blitz, especially when they blitz these linebackers and they surprise them with the defensive back. But it's like, can they sustain pressure without blitzing? Yeah, well, uh, that's the the magic question, isn't it? Uh, whether or not the Chiefs can get to that point with the players they have or the players that they can get either this season or in the following season. You know, people are already starting to talk about the draft and uh, for, you know, an offensive tackle or an edge rusher. Uh, that seems to be the thing that most people are concerned about with the Chiefs at this point. So, you know, we're already hearing some talk about that. We had a, a film review on a college offensive uh, tackle just the other day here on arrowheadpride.com and just give you an idea of what people are thinking about right now. So. Yeah, uh, it's it's a big question mark, and we didn't really see – well, we saw pressure. There was pressure there, but it wasn't enough to make him ineffective in those big moments, and that's that's the part that they're not getting yet. And um, 
maybe George Karloftis can be part of the answer, but um, we, you know, he, he's kind of like Eric Fisher was uh, the last time we had a, a first round player that everybody pinned a lot of hopes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take him a little time, I think, to become the player that we hope he can be. Um, uh, you you also get pressure sometimes, and you know it's coverage pressure and coverage sacks. Sure, and yeah. when jo- Joshua Williams is going one on one, right? Gabe Davis and Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs, you're not going to get a coverage sack, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, right. We're going to talk about it in our third segment about you know the news roundup, but Trent McDuffie, it sounds like he should be back next week, which will help every part of the defense along with with Willie Gay Jr. as well. Well, so. well we, we hope so, certainly. Uh, you know, we don't really... <laughs> I mean, what we've seen of McDuffie so far has been good, but we haven't seen that much. So You, you don't think 21 plays is enough, John? No, I, I think that maybe it might be a little premature yeah. to draw too many conclusions from that, but what we have seen has been good. We know I'm that. Not, I'm not going to argue with a man on his birthday. We <laughs> will be back next segment with more of your world-famous marinated takeaways talking about this 24-20 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Stick with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. The music still slaps even after the Chiefs lose a game 24-20 to to the Buffalo Bills. It's now time for our world-famous marinated takeaways. And these are a little tougher to talk about when the Chiefs are not able to come away with the victory, John. But as usual, it is an, an age versus beauty type deal, especially for today. And so we're going to let you... <laughs> take over first what is your first marinated takeaway from this game well one thing that i liked about this game um i mean i totally didn't expect it i was expecting you know both teams to score 30 plus points Uh, unlike tony romo i did not see a defensive battle coming and um uh and i i was encouraged by the fact that the chiefs actually held the bills to so few points and um and didn't give up more than 17 until what like a minute and a half minute and 20 seconds left in the game or something um i think if you had asked almost any chiefs fan um you know would would the defense allowing 24 points to buffalo be enough they would have said well yeah duh so I, i found that encouraging the problem, of course, is the Buffalo defense was also better than it was yeah. <laughs> last year, and it, it and it and it turned into a a, a problem for the Chiefs. Uh, Vaughn Miller was everything he was advertised to be, and I also think that he was uh, very motivated. What was he? Zero and five against Mahomes, I think, going into this game, and I I think he felt like he had a lot to prove and. That's a that's a that's a, a really good player with a really big motivation. He's a, a situation like that. He's going to be a problem. And uh, but but still, uh, I found that to be an encouraging thing from the game that there's actual concrete evidence that the defense, despite the problems that it has and the young players that were out there, et cetera, did a pretty good job in the big picture. Yeah, Von Miller was an addition that. The Bills didn't need it necessarily. It was a luxury addition. The Bills were already the class of the AFC mm-hmm. East. Yeah. It wasn't to win a division. Von Miller, after the game, he had two quarterback hits, two sacks. And after the game, a longtime Bronco, and the Chiefs have been killing the Broncos now for five, mm-hmm. six years, years running. He said, a lot of times I come here and I'm I'm not in here smiling. Tonight I'm smiling. And it, it's 
it's motivating for him. And, and I think it was motivating for him, not only just because he's lost so much at Arrowhead Stadium, but just the idea that they brought Vaughn in to beat the Chiefs. They bought it, brought him in to win the conference. That getting pressure on Allen that the Chiefs are not doing maybe with, with three or four guys, they want to be able to do in Buffalo. And that's why they brought Vaughn Miller to the team. And last night it got them the win that they were looking for. Now we'll see if these two teams meet up again, if that, if that can happen again last year, let's not forget the bills did win in the regular season and the chiefs got them in the playoffs, which mm-hmm. is when you would take right. 100 out of 100 times, but let's make it clear. Von Miller was brought in to beat the chiefs, not the Patriots, the jets or the dolphins in their own division. They, they feel comfortable winning their division with, with their quarterback and their defense. So, Hey, uh, one for one on the move. You got to tip your cap in that sense. And, and I'd agree with you. I think that's a, a good point, John. My first marinated takeaway here. Used to have a a a high school girlfriend, and uh, you know, back in the day, it's been a while since I've been in high school. the The girlfriend's mom was divorced, but she had a a boyfriend named Bob, and Bob was an interesting cat, real thick New York Long Island type of accent, and loved boxing and movies. and And we were talking about the Rocky series one day, and he goes, "You know what, Pete? Not every prequel needs a sequel." Rocky one was odd. Rocky two and them after they were all for money. What does that mean? Yeah. Not every prequel needs a sequel. Not that we are not going to get more chiefs bills games, but just the idea that every single game might live up to the 13 second game is just, it's, it's unrealistic. And I think we learned that the, the hard way last night. And I'm, I'm trying to take the fandom out of it in a sense, John, like let's pretend no, we don't care about the chiefs or the bills. And we're just fans of, of football. That game stunk. It was sloppy. It was not a ton of scoring. It was uh, mundane at times. It was boring. I I really felt like, you know, neither team's quarterback. I know that Allen ended up with a good stat line, but for largely a lot of the game, not really playing their best mm-hmm. perfect game of football that we're used to and that we maybe saw in that playoff game. And so I, I think it's just a reminder that, like, while we're embracing a game like the 13 second game, you got to realize that the, the chances of that type of game happening again, even with the same two teams and largely the same cast of characters, it's, it's unrealistic. Now maybe I'll eat my words and, and we'll see if the chiefs end up having to go to central New York to play a playoff game, which would change it a little bit. I think it would make for an interesting dynamic, not, not necessarily a welcome one in Kansas city long time to go to see if that'll even be a possibility. But I, I think it, crappy game a crummy game like this gives you more pre- appreciation for the 13 second game and i'm not even saying that because the chiefs won it just was a much more memorable and fun game of a mm-hmm. lifetime and i and i think you appreciate that when you get the same guys back and you know the game wasn't wasn't as good it's just something i had been thinking about this morning well and of course part of the attraction of the 13 second game was how many points were scored in that 2 minute period right. which I calculated the other day it was 25 points it's nuts in the last uh, 2 minutes and 5 seconds of regulation or no it was 155 I think so it was under 2 minutes mm-hmm. so you know that's a lot of scoring in a very short period of time and I agree with you Pete that you're not likely to see that again in you know in a series between two teams but it happened again yesterday. It just wasn't fraught with so much uh, emotion as it was uh, back in the playoffs. The Chiefs got the ball with 12 seconds left in the first half and scored a field goal. So, you know, it's not like it can't happen again. It's just that there was a, a uh, what do I want to call this a perfect storm of circumstances yeah. to make that the thing, the 13 second drive that, you know, you know th- and that may be hard to ever see anything like that again. I, I'm, I'm with you. I just felt like yesterday for all the hype, a little bit of a snooze fest. Yeah, yeah, it was boring. You know, I just—I don't know. I—that's just how I came away from it. No, well, Um, you're right about that. They had that playoff game was a lot more exciting than Sunday's game was. There's no question about that. All right, John, continue on. Um, Okay, well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the running game. I mean, we kind of covered this here with with Andy's Mm -hmm. remarks, but um, it's such a such a frustrating topic, I think, for a lot of fans. 
especially fans of the Chiefs who maybe grew up watching Marty Schottenheimer's team. And, you know, if we just had a, a good quarterback who could throw downfield in those days, <laughs> it's, you know, if you could marry. So you're interested in seeing Pat with the Nigerian nightmare. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, it's because that was the problem. And, and in fact, you know, uh, Marty brought in uh, Paul Hackett, you know, to install the West Coast offense and get chunks of yardage, as Marty put it. And it just never worked, even with bringing in uh, quarterbacks who'd worked in the West Coast offense in San Francisco on multiple of occasions until Joe Mont. Well, actually, Montana was the first, but uh, he was the only one who was really able to be very successful with it. Um, so, you know, with that background, it's not hard for Chiefs fans to feel like if we can't get the running game going, we can't succeed on offense because we were raised, essentially, people of my age certainly were, yeah. uh, well, and and younger too, I suppose, um, that, that we were raised to think that it all begins with the running game. I'm not so sure that's true, at least as true as it used to be, but we also see... Uh, that uh, uh, the variant of the West Coast offense that the Chiefs run uh, sometimes just doesn't working like it should, and you have to wonder if it would be more effective if they ran if they ran the ball better and more often. And I, I, you know, they are staying very close to that seventy thirty split on pass versus rush. It's really unusual for the Chiefs to stray more than a point or two away from that ratio. So it's apparently quite deliberate. And I think a lot of people like to see it change, but I'm not sure that it will with Andy Reid as the head coach. I just think it needs to more so now than ever without Tyreek Hill. I just think it was different mm. with when you had Hill on this yeah. team. That made a lot more sense to go 70-30. You have to win a little bit more methodically now and a little bit more strategically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's where I just think... And I'm not saying 50-50 of Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, right, uh, right. That throw that was taken away due to Creed Humphrey being down the field was nuts. Can't believe that's not, never going to count. Um, but you, so you're of course going to be throwing, you know, more than running. I, I just would like to see it be a little closer. And and speaking of that push, kind of leads me into my second marinated takeaway. Just a little bit of a bold marinated takeaway. Bold and uh oh, here we go. Half, half empty. Half BP, which of course is bold prediction. Lucas Niang, I think, is going to get an opportunity this season to start. Uh, I don't know when. We are, that's a little unclear as health at this point. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with an, a knee injury, not only do you need to be, this is what the delay is, not only do you need to be back, but you need to be back enough to practice. And then even after he's ready to practice, he's going to have to get into. What, what do we hear all the time, John? Football, Football shape. shape, right. Mm -hmm. So that's going to take time, too. So I'm not saying that this is happening next week. Bye week will help after the 49ers game. Um, and I also want to say this, too. Like, I like Andrew Wiley, and there's a lot of money that tells me that Orlando Brown is not going to be the one replaced. And so I think at a certain point when you're not getting enough push, when there are times where uh, pass protection is a little not so great, you're going to want to maybe shake things up. We've, we've seen the, the Chiefs shake up their offensive line in, in recent years here. I remember Ryder was replaced at a certain point. They've mixed up tackles before, mm -hmm. especially at that right tackle position, trying to rotate guys where you know, maybe Mike Remmers was not great. So you're trying different things. That's where Niang was getting opportunities before he suffered his season-ending injury. And so it's a little bit of a bold prediction. So don't kill me here if I'm wrong about this one. But I just think the way things are going with this line at a certain point, Maybe you do see replacement, and if Niang is not ready, or let's say for argument's sake, never ready enough this season, which sometimes that happens as well, especially when you're you're mm -hmm. dealing with uh, knee issues. Maybe the Prince, Prince Tagovailoa gets gets a crack here uh, at a certain point. I know that they've been high on him in the past, so who knows if, if maybe he gets gets the nod at at right tackle. Uh, I think when your tackles are not playing well, it 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 really hurts the rest of your line. The Chiefs have an elite interior. They have an elite quarterback. And these tackles playing a little bit poorly at times is, is hurting those two areas where you, you are really strong. And, and, it, and it's, a, it's a shame, I think, in a sense. And I, I wonder if the Chiefs do something about it eventually. Well, you might be right. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> Niang has missed so much time in his NFL career 
uh, first with the opt-out in the COVID year and then with this injury. Um, I would even wonder if the three weeks that they get to uh, designate him for return will be enough for them to make a decision about whether he's yeah. <laughs> ready right. to go or not, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so, I, you know, he's going to have some rust on him. And I think that will enter in to a certain extent uh, to any calculation about putting him on the field. Now they may designate him for return, get the three weeks in, activate him to the roster, you know, do all those things. And then he may be inactive uh, for much of the season is, until they get him, you know, ready to go. I mean, what if, what if he plays the last two weeks of the season and into the playoffs and makes a difference? You know, that, that is a possibility that we could see take place yep. uh, with the circumstances that are before us. But boy, there's a lot of question marks in in that scenario. I'm not denying it. I, you know, I just, something I I've been thinking about and, you know, I've gotten to a point of, well, you have Allegretti, but Allegretti is in the interior. Unless there's an injury, mm -hmm. he's not going to be the call. And and so Yang, I think, could make a difference if he's ready. And then I, I the wild card is Prince Tego and Nogo. I just wonder if they shake it up at a certain mm -hmm. point and say, like, okay, let's see. Let's just see, right? And you can always make a change back if you're, you're incorrect. The Chiefs have never been shy about cutting their losses in a sense. If they feel like they made a wrong decision, they'll, they'll go back. Um, all right, we got two marinated takeaways left, John. Let's hear your final takeaway. I still feel pretty good. I still think that you know, I, I you look well, I, you look great. You, I, I still feel like the Chiefs are, have a, a really good ball club and they have an opportunity to uh, compete in the postseason. Um, you know, a loss in the regular season may be unpleasant to watch as it was on Sunday. Uh, but it's not the end of the world, especially in week six. Uh, you know, just a year ago, the Chiefs lost to the same team by 18 points. Let's not forget. Um, and so, in a sense, this is an improvement that uh, when the Bills come to town in the regular season and the Chiefs don't have to put it all on the line as they do in the postseason, um, they got to, a, uh, they didn't lose by as much as they did a year ago. They certainly didn't make as many mistakes. That was as a mistake filled game as I've seen, uh, in the last few years in an Andy Reed team, it was bad from top to bottom and the score reflected that. So, you know, yes, I would have preferred for the chiefs to win this game and have, uh, that, that head to head advantage over the bills. Uh, for what we all presume will be a, a postseason the Chiefs make it into. But I, I just don't really feel like this was a loss that's making me go, oh, my gosh, we're, the Chiefs are not going to go anywhere this season. I don't feel that way. I think they showed that they and the Bills are at the top of the conference. And that game, that yesterday's game, even for everything that went wrong, the Chiefs could have won. And, um, you know, we'd feel, we'd have an entirely different discussion today if the score had been 24-20. You know what's funny? I, I have I wouldn't call it exactly the same marinated takeaway for you, uh, number three, exactly the same, but mine is mine is similar. Now that the before I, I start here and and this is gonna be a, a you know, I was joking that I'm a half empty guy. This is a very <laughs> half full takeaway. Oh my. And and the reality here is this, and this needs to be stated. The Chiefs need to have a better outright record than the Bills to have home field advantage in a bye, which is huge. There's one bye now. There's no Ryan Fitzpatrick getting you to the number two to get you a sneaky playoff win. You got to get number one. You got to have to play good football. The Bills already have a loss uh, with the win last night. They're basically two games up on the Chiefs because they're five and one. Right. The Chiefs are four and two. If they tie, the Bills get the, the nod right. now because they won the, the head to head. Now, okay. So you're like, how the hell are the Chiefs going to have a, a better outright record than than the Bills with the way that they're playing and, and whatever? Well, it's a it's a long season and S happens, as they say. That way, Steve doesn't have to use the, the bleep button. S happens. <laughs> and I, I look at the rest of the schedule and it it kind of falls the Chiefs way in a sense. When you look at the remaining teams that the Bills have, first of all, their division. They've already lost to the Miami Dolphins. They have five division games left. 
and the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yes, they, yes. they look legit. I don't mm-hmm. know about Zach Wilson and that Jets offense, and, and we'll see, but the defense looks like they could give a division team fits, and the Jets have a lot of pride about trying to revamp, and they look pretty good, and that is a pleasant surprise because we thought the AFC East would be a cakewalk for the, the Bills. They don't play Miami again until week 15. We think two will be back by then. You're facing Bill Belichick another two times. Then you also have the Green Bay Packers. They desperately need to start winning because they have been in what has been a, a not a good place with Aaron Rodgers and, and they're, I believe, three and three. And so they need they are the Packers themselves are going to need that game against Buffalo. You face a Minnesota Vikings team that is five and one and looking really good, right? Second in the AFC or the NFC behind Philadelphia. And then they also have Cleveland and Detroit, who should be getting back Jamison Williams, the wide receiver at a certain point. They have been shown to be a little bit spicy. And they also play the Cincinnati Bengals in the second game, last game of the year. What I'm saying is the Bills are not going to finish the season 16 and one. So if the Chiefs take care of business, and are able to put it together a couple wins here. I mean, we might look back in four or five weeks from now, and the Chiefs may have a better record than the Bills. It's too, it's that early. Like it, that that's that's right. what I mean. Now, mm-hmm. now if this win had come and the Bills went one game up and it was week fifteen, well, that's this, yeah. My my conversation with you right now right. would be a little, little bit more grim. Right. But just the idea that, <laughs> that there's so many games left, and that what I just ran through very quickly who the Bills have. Yeah, the Chiefs have a tough schedule, too. But uh, look how much can happen with all those variables. And then we've seen teams lose each and every week. And, you know, I know the Bills are going to the bye, but there can be a little bit of letdown. You, you beat the Chiefs. Uh, I know they were good about this after the game, but, you know, that really was their midseason Super Bowl to, to an extent. I think it does help them significantly that they have a bye because they can sort of reset in a way. Like, if I think if they had to get ready for the Packers starting today, letdown, a letdown would be ripe it would be really ripe so that's a little bit of a break for buffalo because they can come back and almost have a new season in, in week eight but again half glass full this time I'm, I'm doing it all today half glass full half glass empty um yeah there's a lot of time you know that that's the truth of it so well and i think i i, I agree with you uh, i completely agree with you on your your take here and i will add something to it and that is that Andy Reid always puts together a long winning streak in the second half of the season. How long yeah. it is, who can say? And I've, I've forgotten what the statistic is, but he's had a long winning streak in, I think, almost every season in Kansas City since he's been here. Uh, and a couple of them have been near legendary, you know, 10, 11 games. Um, I don't know if the Chiefs are capable of doing that this year, but um, it's it's not like this is pure speculation and pure faith going here. We have a historical reference here that this has occurred uh, in the past with this team and this coach and the culture that he has in place here. So um, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that it could happen. I don't think I'm quite ready to predict that it will. Um, but, uh, you know, that will add to it as well uh, if, as the Bills – wrestle with the back end of their schedule and the chiefs maybe put together a streak. So it, you're right. It could change a lot. Uh, there's a lot of season left. I will say this just to circle back. The chiefs have to start taking care of business because I, I really don't think they want to go to Buffalo. I, I'm, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, between these two teams and how much that game would matter and how crazy it would be. You, you don't, you don't want to go to Buffalo. So start taking business next week with the San Francisco 49ers. All right, that's your marination for week six here. When we come back, we will do our news roundup for the week. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up John's birthday show with our news roundup. I want to remind people of some things to start here, John. I'll let okay. you comment on it if you'd like. We mentioned Niang 
and TBD on him. Blake Bell, tight end, still eligible to return. Not necessarily a significant addition, but certainly someone at points in the season they they have missed. Uh, we do expect Trent McDuffie to return this week, but that at this point does remain to be seen based upon what Andy Reid said. And this, I forgot to to say this before. If you want to listen to Andy Reid in full, you can right here on the mm-hmm. Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network on From the Podium. One of the sounds that we didn't play was re-talking about Trent McDuffie and whether he would return. And you dug into this, John. It sounds, I would I would describe it as fairly optimistic, mm-hmm. but they are going to have to see this week. And and I think given the buy, the, he's going to have to be 100% if they're going to go and do this because I feel that if he, let's say he's 95, why risk it? You have a bye week. I think, I know they just lost, but I think you can beat the 49ers without McDuffie. Uh, and, and so I, I think they're cautiously fairly optimistic, but they will be cautious about bringing him back too soon. Well, I agree. And, and I, and when I was writing the story about, uh, Andy's remarks about McDuffie today, I, I went back and forth about whether I should describe him as being optimistic about McDuffie's return. And I couldn't, I couldn't justify saying that that Andy was optimistic about it. He just didn't give that kind of a, an non, answer. You don't want to say non-committal in a way. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, he gave a standard Andy answer about uh, an injury. We'll see. <laughs> we'll yeah. get him in here and see what he does. And, and then we'll make a decision. And if, if he can go, then he'll play. And it was interesting. I thought today, the way he put it is that we'll let him play. As it sounded like perhaps uh, McDuffie is pushing to go and they're reluctant to put him out there yet because they're not certain that just the way Andy phrased that made me wonder uh, if McDuffie feels that he's ready, but the doctors don't quite yet. So uh, we'll see, as Andy would say. Yeah, you might have picked up on something there. Sometimes you got to read into what Andy says a little bit, and that sounds correct. So we'll we'll kind of watch McDuffie. We'll have the practice reports this week. Remember, we get our first Chiefs 49ers injury report on Wednesday. The Chiefs don't have to put him on the injury report, but I'll get a look at him at practice in the 15 mm-hmm. minutes that, that we get. Right. He looked pretty good last week, but who am yeah. I? I mean, we don't we don't we only get to see about 20 minutes out of the two hours that they got they're out there. Uh some bad news here, John. Turk Wharton tore his ACL, which is Tough because I still think this was an up and coming player uh, for for the Chiefs. Four run stops on the year. He had five quarterback pressures. I think just like a guy that's a really really solid rotational player at defensive mm-hmm. tackle. And so the Chiefs go and they give Taylor Stallworth the call up to the fifty three. But I I don't know how much trust they have in him in this first game that he could have played in place of Wharton. He was inactive. Yeah. Um... I think this is one of those situations where a player that most people aren't really noticing is actually a bigger part of, of what the defense does. I I think when the, when we look back uh, at this point of the season, I'm hope we don't say, Oh my gosh, when Orton went out Mm -hmm. uh, that really changed what the defense was capable of doing Um, because uh, he's, he's a a player that the team really likes and they've liked him since the minute he walked in the door and um, you love his story. You love the guy, you know, um, it's really unfortunate that his season had, has had to end this way. And I I hope that we can replace him. If you're going to have this type of torn ACL injury, better to happen in this, early part of the season than late because mm-hmm. maybe you can get back and, and be ready for training camp and, and right. next year and, and talk to some of the guys. I was able to talk to Stallworth and I even talked to Derek Nottie in the locker room. And, and from what they told me, it seems like he is in good spirits and he's going to attack yeah, this good. rehab. And they, they know yeah. that this is someone who's very determined and will be very determined to get back. And Turk's been a, a great guy to chat with and, and stuff like that. So, you know, we're wishing him a, a speedy recovery, but just a tough loss for the chiefs. They are fortunate in a sense that Colin Saunders has looked as good as he has. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I, they would be a little bit light in, along the interior had Saunders not really come to training camp like a different man with a, a new almost outlook on his shoulders, head on his shoulders, and played as well as 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 he has been able to so far when it comes to just defense in general, right? And you know, take that with a grain of salt. But Colin Saunders has been among the the top ten in in defense for the chiefs when they, when they rank all these guys and the second interior player 
even ahead of what would be uh, Derek Nottie. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that they have some depth there, but it's getting light quick. So you can't really get another interior injury without feeling right. like maybe you mm-hmm. don't have enough depth there. We did some get, see some returns against Buffalo, which I, I thought was good. Harrison Butker, that's something we didn't talk about. He made the 62-yarder. Didn't miss a 51-yarder, which I know people are going to be annoyed about reasonably so. Uh, Tony Romo's see- fault. It was clearly Tony Romo's fault. Yeah. He, I didn't hear. What Did he say something, Romo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did as they were lining up for it. He says, oh, well, after you get that 62, I wonder if you'll miss this. You know, words to that effect. I wonder did if you'll miss Did he do the annoying Romo thing where he goes, oh, my God, he missed it. Like, uh, well, well, of course he did. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> Jim, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. I didn't hey, right. hear it. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Something like, it was something like that. I don't remember <laughs> specifically, but, okay. but it you, was Adam. his fault. There's no doubt about it. No I've doubt some, about it. I've had some friends message me about Tony. I think Tony was really well liked when he was a, a new commodity. And I think the shtick has mm-hmm. maybe gotten to some people at this point. And that, that's all I'm going to say. Um, Mike Dana and Trey Smith also returned, which were good underrated players for the Chiefs. I know it didn't lead to a win, but it's certainly good to have them back. I had mentioned about the what what uh saunders means to the chiefs pff wise uh when it comes to pressures that are tracked by pff even after missing as many games as he had dana is at 10 clark 12 Karloff to 17 and then jones 24 so just quarterback pressures you only played two games you can compare that it's right there with frank clark <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry sorry frank for bringing that up but um really <laughs> important player uh, for the chiefs even though he's not a necessarily a big name well, if Tony I, Romo was going were here, he would say something that would mess all that up. So thanks, yes. thanks a lot for yes, mentioning yes. that. <laughs> DiCaprio Boodle got called to the active roster. I don't know how long this is going to last. I think when Trent is ready, that'll be it for Boodle. But we shall see. Uh, Chiefs by the numbers. Our Connor Helm has been doing a nice job uh, for us uh, at at Chiefs.com. He had mentioned that Sky Moore is gaining five yards of separation that was entering last game. So we'll see what the update is in his mm-hmm. column that he's been doing it for us this week. But it seems like the chiefs have noticed <clears throat> to an extent, John, um, oh. he seemed to be more um, relevant as I, I just noticed. I, I, we, I don't, we don't have the snap counts in front of me. I don't have them in front of me right now, but I felt like I was noticing sky more a little bit yesterday. Mm-hmm. He did have the 24 yard catch down the sideline as well. Right. I agree. I think, well, and I think they've wanted to, to move him in uh, more, uh, more, more, as we, as we might say. Um, too many puns with this man. Too yeah, many puns. too many. Um, I think they've wanted to right from the beginning. I think they just, you know, with a young receiver like this and the Chiefs offense, they have to take their time to work him in and, you know, get him to where he can do all the things they expect receivers to do. Um, clearly, as we saw in the preseason, the this young man's capable of, creating separation uh, in a way that other receivers on the team cannot do quite to the same way. So um, we, we want him to be all in on the offense as soon as possible, because we could sure use uh, another, another player in the, uh, among the wide receiver core. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I think the sooner sky can come along, the better. We don't see a lot of behind the scenes of how he's retaining the plays and the offense. Right. There's so many variants in what Andy Reid does, we, we we can't always even tell if he's getting it right on any given play. Mm-hmm. Even if he makes a play, like you, you could make a mistake and still make a play. That's what's so strange about trying to evaluate these things when we don't have the plays in front of us. But more, it, it seems based upon the snap counts and the involvement is coming along. So I, I think I'm going to do it. I think you want to see more of that. All right. Uh, Eric Bianami <laughs> said the chiefs will ride the hot hand in the, the run game. Well, that's it. It's tough when there is no hot hand uh, that emerges in, in a given game, like we saw against the Buffalo Bills. But there, you know, there's no fantasy football aspect. Uh, you know, if you play fantasy, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't start any of these Chiefs because it, if a player is playing particularly well, EB confirmed to me, they're going with him. And I, I even think that extends to Pacheco. I don't think we've seen that yet. But say you do get the pecking order and Clyde gives it a go. Maybe McKinnon gives it a go if, if he's not getting it done. And then Pacheco gets his opportunity. Let's say in a scenario, I don't know, John, would be like the second quarter. And then Pacheco mm-hmm. starts running hard. I think Pacheco could see the rest of the snaps for the game. Like, I, I really truly believe, I know it's a press talking point, but I really truly believe that this is a hot hand situation. Well, it'll be tough for him to work that out because they've now, you know, the first couple, three games, they were having very 
even percentages. It was a true running back by committee, but in the last couple of games, um, Pacheco is down below half what Edward Zelaire and McKinnon are getting. So that's going to be hard. You know, if they, it's going to be hard for him to get enough snaps and do well in those snaps to, uh, to get something like that and where he would get the rest of the snaps in the game. If it happens in a game that the chiefs have a nice lead in, and then they put him out there in the third quarter and, you know, emphasize the run a little bit more then maybe we'll see a big game. I just think it's going to be hard for him to show that with the number of snaps he's now getting. Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. <clears throat> I, you know, he, if he ends up getting a carry, I mean, he's got to have it in his mind. I got, I got to go get this because it, right. it, mm-hmm. it is limited. He is third in the, in the pecking order. And I don't know, like maybe we should have brought this up before, but, at a certain point, do we see Ronald Jones just for, you know, I'd mentioned the Niang point. It, does Ronald Jones get a crack here at some point if, if there continues to be a lack of consistency in the run game? I know there are certain Chiefs fans out there that are are wondering that. Mm-hmm. I believe Ronald Jones, if I'm not mistaken, had a thousand yards two years ago. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, had, he's had a thousand yard season, but I think it was not last season, if I yeah. remember correctly. That's right. So. Last piece of news here, uh, you know, as we learned on on Friday, Joshua Williams would have extended playing time. Spoke to him in the in the locker room, and he expressed confidence in his first career start versus the the Bills. And it, the confidence was there, but so, you know, he, he was taken advantage of a little bit. I, I think at at certain points, Allen was was looking for him. To his credit, he he talked right in front of his locker last night and and said sometimes these things can come down to a play or two and. You know, I was thrown into the fire a little bit and, you know, I own that and everything like that. So a good young man. I think he it, it was a tough ask for a first real sure. time. And, I, you know, just because he did get beat twice in tough situations that he was put in and maybe he shouldn't have, you know, hint, hint. But um, in, you know, in, in those, um, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone's writing off Joshua Williams. I, you know, I, he has the length, he has the speed. I think he has the coverage skills and and largely he was. I thought, especially in the second one, he was covering. Um, I forget who had the second one, whether it was Davis or, or Diggs, but he was covering them pretty well. And it's just another great receiver that you're going against. We said the same thing about Mike Evans last week. Well, we shouldn't forget. Uh, everyone's raving about uh, Gabriel Davis this year, but it was he had a huge game against the Chiefs yeah. in that playoff game last year. So that actually started last season, is now continuing this season that he's making a name for himself. And I and I I would just like to point out, since you mentioned, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been put out there. Well, yeah, of course he shouldn't have been put out there. What choice did the Chiefs have? I would just like to make sure that this point is emphasized for our listeners that um, you know, this isn't as if they decided to put him out there in a, in instead of some other more experienced cornerback. They didn't have any other choice here, folks. You know, that this is the problem that the Chiefs were facing going into this game is they had too many people hurt. I think my point is more safety help. I'm not saying like Lamont should have been out there. Well, I know, but but they were short on safeties, too. I mean, you know, that's sure it it was it was a problem across the secondary. So, you know, it was I just I don't know. Not an ideal situation. I don't know what my answer would be. I'm not a defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo yeah. is the man. I love him. He knows more football than I'll ever know. Yada, yada, whatever. I don't think Diggs versus Williams with no help at all is the right call. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the alternative is. I don't know what you do in that scenario. I just. I well, just and those were, those were both blitzes too, right? Where yeah, right. they've so got like, extra extra rushers going. So trying, so. The, the, the idea was disrupting Allen so he wouldn't have the time. Right, right. It just didn't work in this particular case. That's one of those situations where people are going to complain about the call, but if it worked, we thought it was brilliant. Of course. And like Mahomes, Allen is a madman, and so he's going to get you. That's, you know, I think that's a good bow to put on this is like, Allen is really good. Yeah. Uh, He's the perfect rival to Patrick Mahomes. (sighs) I want to end it with a bad taste in people's mouth, but it might be on the level of Mahomes. I think that's a reality that we have to admit is these guys are going to be getting each other for about 10, 15 years. You know, you hope that you have the Brady in that, that Brady Manning scenario. And I think in a way the jury is still out on that, uh, but it'll be fun to watch. 
We know that sometimes it'll be more fun than others. <laughs> like last, like last night was not fun. Uh, there'll be more fun times when Mahomes squares up against Allen. I think these two are, are going to have some really great games, at, uh, you know, for for years to come. Well, you know, it's different in one way, is in that they're two good friends too, right? Which hasn't been the case with some of these rivalries in the past. So that'll yeah. be interesting to see, uh, as, you know, if it develops as we think it will over a period of you know, a decade or so, which seems reasonable at this point that we could see that happen. Uh, this will be a whole different, uh, different spin on it that these two guys are good friends off the field and we see them hanging out doing things in the off season. And then they're the, the biggest rivals during the season. This could be real interesting. I don't like it. I wish they didn't like each other. I'll just say that. <laughs> Can't choose that. Tonight, Monday Night Football, the LA Chargers taking on the worst team in the world, the Denver Broncos. So we expect the, the Chargers to take care of business i think i think there uh with the chiefs keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com keep it locked in on the arrowhead pride podcast network we will have shows for you as the week goes along including our reviewers favorite the great british chief show coming at you later this week and we'll keep you updated as to all the injury news and all the news leading up to this matchup between the chiefs and the san francisco 49ers coming at you before the bye week on sunday so for steve serta behind the proverbial glass and for the birthday boy john dixon my name is pete sweeney thank you for joining us on the arrowhead pride editors show 